The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Welcome to another episode of Today's Homeowner Radio. I'm not Danny or Joe. I'm Corey Wilson, engineer and producer for Today's Homeowner Radio. And we want to welcome you to a special Christmas best of episode of Today's Homeowner Radio. Uh, Danny and Joe are off this week and next for New Year's, but they will be back at the beginning of the year. And while they're gone, you can still contact us at any time by sending us an email at todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can reach out to us via phone call on our Today's Homeowner hotline by giving us a call at 1-800-946-4420. That's 1-800-946-4420. Before Danny left to go on vacation with his family, he recorded a special message for our audience. So here's Danny. Hey, I certainly hope all of you have a very Merry Christmas, and hopefully some of the memories you make will be some of the best ones ever. Thank you, Danny. And uh, before Joe left, he did the same thing. So here's Joe. Hi, this is Joe Truini. I just want to say Merry Christmas to everyone listening and hope you and your family have a great holiday season. I'd like to offer the same sentiment. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to our audience. And uh, this is a best of show. So let's get right to our first best of segment. Well, let's get away from the tree surgery a little bit and uh, see if we can help Marvin uh, from Alabama. Marvin, welcome to the show and Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. Thank you, uh, Marvin. Tell us uh, what's going on with the windows here. We, we hear a lot about condensation issues. Um, what exactly is happening with your windows? Well, our house is 20 years old. We have uh, double-pane windows, and it's uh, building moisture at the very bottom uh, of the bottom window and the very bottom of the top window uh, when it gets below 45, 40 degrees. Now, uh, we keep the inside of the house about 70 degrees during the winter, and I've got a humidity monitor, and... uh, during this time of year, it's running about 70 or 75% inside the house. But it's so much moisture that my wife has to get up with a towel every morning and, and wipe it down or it gets on the uh, wooden window seal, and I'm afraid it's going to rot out. So I'm looking for suggestions. Okay. Well, um, it's definitely a condensation issue, and there's a couple things that are going on here. First of all, that uh, relative humidity percentage inside your home should be 50% or less um, for many, many reasons. It really, um, you know, heating, cooling, indoor air quality, everything. So that's one big flag right there that if that, if you're reading with a um, hygrometer, if you're reading something above 50%, then there's something not quite right with that air conditioned heating system. A lot of times it'll actually be oversized or the adjustments on it are um, making it to where it's not running enough. And a system running more often will um, mitigate that uh, humidity a lot better. It won't necessarily cost you more money in your energy bill than one that comes on and hits it and goes off, on and off, on and off. But um, that's one concern I would have. But, Joe, also, um, if there's cold air sneaking in around those windows, that can also add to that. 
I was thinking the same thing, Marvin. That's the reason you're seeing condensation at the bottom of the upper and lower sash, because that's where air can be leaking in, right? It's leaking in at the right. what's, called, what's called the meeting rail, which is where the two sash meet in the middle. And then at the bottom, where it meets the, the sill, air can leak in there as well. So that's the reason you're seeing the condensation right there. And, and Danny's right. If you have a hygrometer, just monitor the humidity in the room. Typically, when the temperature, the outside temperature is below 40 degrees, the relative humidity inside should be between 25 and 40, 50 at the very most. Um, so if you have a reading, as Danny said, anywhere 50 or above, then there's way too much condensation. It's like too much humidity. Okay, okay. so now what do you do? Well, depending on the severity of the problem, sometimes it can be solved just by leaving curtains and shades open to promote air circulation around the window, using exhaust fans and vents throughout the house, and that includes bathroom and kitchen vent fans. Um, obviously, you can always use a dehumidifier, but that's not really solving the problem. So, I mean, I hate to say you have to replace the windows. These are 20-year-old windows, not they're not 50-year-old windows, right. but... Um, right. You know, you might be able to might check, just make sure they're sealing when they're closed and locked, that they're really sealing tightly. Check the weather stripping. If necessary, maybe you have to install two sash locks instead of one sash lock. Um, but yeah, it is definitely a, the condensation is caused by humidity. There's nothing else that causes that. You know, it's cold outside, it's warm inside, so condensation forms on the glass. Well, would that be something I could call my air conditioner guy and have them come out and look at it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they could. Now, right now, you're in Alabama. Are you running your air conditioning? Or you're probably running your heat or no, both? We're running the heat. You know, it's like it's yeah. 40 degrees. We keep the heat on like 70 degrees. But like I said, the, the humidity inside right now today is, is 70 percent. Right. Well, some, if the humidity starts to exceed 50 percent, sometimes you can lower the humidity inside and in, by increasing the temperature inside until the humidity drops below 50. But again, so OK, that's great. But now what? You know, it's not really solving the problem of where all this humidity is coming from. Or do you know, do you run your vent fans? You have a bathroom vent fan that, that ex, exhausts outside and a kitchen vent fan that exhausts to the outside? Well, unfortunately, the bathroom do, the kitchen does not. But, uh, you know, it's, it's strange. It's, it's, it seems to be more humid on the north side of the house uh than the than the than the south side or anything like that but well uh, it's colder right the north side's colder yeah. you're still you're still warm the house is warm either by heat or just by sun or whatever so right, yeah, that, right. that would make that would make sense um yeah it sounds like it's the windows themselves fortunately you don't have condensation between the panes which is no, often the no. which is often the call we get and there's nothing to do there but replace not the entire window but to replace the sash right but, but I would certainly encourage you to call that air-conditioned heating specialist because I'll bet they find that that is short-cycling, that it is just not move, um, moving enough air to lower that humidity. I'll bet that's the problem. And then you want to just make sure that it is sealed well on the outside of the window, both both where the windows meet, that weather stripping could be a little bit worn, and also the perimeter of the window to make sure that caulking has not cracked that's allowing that cold air to sneak in there when it's lower than that. Hey, Marvin, I was just thinking... I, I'm not sure this would work. I just thought of it, but I wonder if you took one of those windows that's a problem and just duct tape or something like at the meeting rail and at the sill, at the window sill, just tape it as much as you can to keep air out and just see what happens. See if that one window suddenly doesn't have as much condensation. If that's the case, then you can certainly, you know, understand that, okay, now we know that it's air leaking in 
and that that would you know that might be the problem. Okay, yeah, I could try that because, like I said, it's it's on multiple windows, so I could just take right. one out and go try it and see what happens. Yeah, uh, might be a, okay. and might also be a good call test. the air conditioner mm-hmm. guy and have him come out and take a look at that. Yeah, right. definitely, definitely. Well, well, hopefully this will uh, solve that problem, and uh, that way your your wife can uh, enjoy something else other than keeping all that moisture off the windowsill. Yeah, it gets old. <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah. Well, Marvin, thanks so much for being with us, and I do hope you and your family have a, a great Christmas season. All right, well, thank you very much. We appreciate your help. Okay, absolutely. You're welcome. I caught up with a few members of the Today's Homeowner family around the office this week, and this is what Amy, our Director of Affiliate and Sponsor Relations, and Carmen, our PR and Marketing Manager, had to say when I asked them what is their favorite Christmas tradition. So my favorite Christmas tradition is one that my mom started, actually. Um, When my brother and I were born, she every year would get us a special ornament for the tree that somehow signified something that happened that year. So throughout my entire life, I have an ornament from every, it could be a trip, it could be, you know, I have one from when I got my first house, when I got married, all of that, which I love because, um, you know, as we're putting up the tree and putting the ornaments on, it's all those memories and remembering all the good times and all the years. So I've continued that to this day and that is my favorite Christmas tradition. Over the years, my family has done many Christmas traditions, everything from themed cards to watching Elf in our matching PJ sets. But I think my favorite tradition that my family does every year is we find one local nonprofit in which we donate. We all come together, agree on it, and then go and buy the items. You're listening to a best of episode of today's Homeowner Radio. Danny and Joe are off this week, but we'll be back in the new year. Thank you so much for listening, and don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome back to Today's Homeowner Radio. I am Corey Wilson, producer and engineer for Today's Homeowner Radio. And you are listening to a best of episode. Danny and Joe are off this week. But don't worry, they'll be back at the beginning of the year. Uh, but I do want to let you know that you can follow us on your favorite podcasting app to get caught up on any past Today's Homeowner Radio shows, listen to our daily tips for Today's Homeowner, and hear our weekly Ask Danny podcast. So all you have to do is go to your favorite podcasting app, search Today's Homeowner podcast, and follow us. Let's get back to the best of. Now we're going to go to Tennessee. William's on the line, and William, welcome to the show. Thank you. Tell us about this driveway here. This is a very interesting, and there's a sad part here going into it as well. Yeah, I have an aggregate driveway, and that's what our HOA requires, so I don't have the chance to change it. Okay. So it's a really good driveway. I've kept it well sealed, but whenever aggregate gets the least bit moist or wet, it becomes slick. Mm-hmm. And uh, in October, my wife came home from work. It had rained just a little bit. She was walking down the driveway to get our mail. She slipped and fell and broke her ankle. Oh, wow, oh, that's too bad. Oh. Sorry to hear that. So my question is, is there anything that can be done to make an aggregate driveway less slippery and a little safer to walk on? 
Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I um, I know exactly what you mean. I have a, um, aggregate, and I, lo- I love uh, washed aggregate or exposed um, aggregate-type driveway uh, driveways and patios. I have one at my house. But, you know, that um, one of the advantages of a exposed um, aggregate type of surface is that it is a— uh, um, you know, anti-slip, you know, or should be. Now, if you're on a slant, I, I see here that you've sent some pictures. I appreciate that. And with it being on a slant like that, certainly um, can um, add to the, the possible trip trip hazard and so forth. Joe, what do you think? I've heard about products, you know, we, we talked a long time ago about a clear spray that right. would remain tacky, but you and I both questioned it at the time because we hadn't tested it. Like, how is that going to last out in the elements and everything? And and wouldn't it, if it's a tra- if it's, you know, having a kind of a tacky surface, then it's going to attract Collect all, dust you and know, dirt. all right. kinds of yeah. and, and a few stray cats might might not be able to um, get, get off the thing <laughs> there either. Be like a glue trap, <laughs> yeah, right? Like like your glue trap. You'll but. find your neighbor's shoes stuck to your driveway. <laughs> yeah. Well, William, first for for listeners who aren't aware, an exposed aggregate surface is simply a concrete driveway that they put stone in on top and they kind of tamp it down so you don't see just concrete. You see these stones, these pebbles, and it's a very nice surface but attractive surface but William as you discovered the problem with sealer is concrete is really porous and it soaks up that sealer and it prevents water from soaking in freezing and maybe damaging it but the stones they don't they don't it's like a duck's back the the sealer runs right off it it doesn't soak in so um that's going to remain pretty slippery you know and if any sealer does stick to it it's not gonna you know it's it's going to create that slipperiness so uh, but the question is of course Larry so what do you do um, the, that sealer will eventually wear off and maybe you can just live with it and not seal it because there's so little surface that's actually getting benefit of the sealer, that being the concrete, and it's very little concrete, it's mostly stone. Um, and you can strip off sealer using xylene if it's a solvent-based sealer or if it's a water-based sealer, you can use a water-based um, stripper. They make water-based strippers and coating removers. Um, or you could grind it, I guess you can get a get a, a concrete grinder or sander and try to sand it off a little bit. But then what do you do? You know, I mean, I guess you could leave it unsealed and just hope for the best. But I'm not sure what you can do at this point. The only sealer I know that is slip resistant, there are some with kind of like a sand in an abrasive, but that doesn't work very well in this situation, in most situations, because it wears off. So they've come up with a new um, abrasive additive that's actually polyethylene grit. It's like soda bottle mm. bottles, clear soda bottles that are ground up. And for some reason, you know, first of all, it lasts forever for the most part until it wears out. It's not going to, you know, because it's, it's plastic um, and it's clear, so you won't see it. So you can try to find, um, you know, a sealer that contains polyethylene grit additive or get the grit additive and add it to a sealer. Um, but uh, again, I think I would just go back to trying to strip it down to the way it was because it wasn't slippery prior to this, right? Right. Well, you know, another thing that I would be tempted to try on this is maybe t- kind of an out-of-the-way uh, out area. I wonder about taking some playground sand and using something like a flower sifter, something that you can really evenly distribute, a real just a very, very thin layer of sand, not even a layer, but just a little bit of sand in one area, then use a, a masonry sealer to just basically tack it together. And, you know, not a lot of it, but you can use it in a garden sprayer. But maybe since you're, um, 
your driveway is kind of divided in these sections with the expansion joints and so forth, you can find one of the smaller areas just to see as a little bit of experiment as how that will how that will work. You could also spray a, a light coat on on it, just a real light coat of the masonry sealer, then use the sifter to sift it out over it, then another layer. Just basically, you're creating grit that hopefully will stay as a result of the um the uh, the sealer i think i would try that uh, if it were my house i would try that off to the side and just see if it holds up and if it does provide that anti-skid um surface that you're looking for i like that idea because even i wouldn't have to do the entire driveway i could just do say a strip that's right exactly. closest to the grass exactly Exactly. And simply use that as your walkway down to the mailbox and back. Right. And I don't think it would be very visible at all because, you know, it might be for a week or two, but you know how it fades and so forth. So I think I would give that a try. We certainly don't want uh, uh, your wife or you or anybody else or a guest uh, tumbling down the driveway at any time. Hey, thanks for your suggestion. I'm going to try it. All right. Well, that sounds great. We appreciate you being a part of the show and Merry Christmas to you. And to you as well. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Well, uh, let's see. Let's grab an email here from okay. um, uh, Joe in Spokane, Washington, beautiful part of the of the country. My old bath vent fan died last week, so I bought a new one and I installed it. Now it appears to be blowing down into the room instead of out. <laughs> what? Uh, what can I do to fix it? You know, Joe, well, you know, I, I, I you're think, not reading the instructions, Joe. What well, happened there? Well, I, I wonder, you know, you almost can't put it in backwards. <laughs> no, I don't think you can, no. But I just wonder if that the little flap you know, um, there is stuck because it doesn't take much for those flaps to, right. you know, get stuck. The flap that um, should be opening when it's on and closing when it's off. And I would think that, 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 that that's what's happened to the thing. Um, or it's set up as a recirculating one when uh, with that because of that flap not being removed as it should right. be. Yeah, I mean, we often get questions that um, we've had in the past, but this is a new one. Yeah, there's obviously something blocking. Maybe it actually is blowing up. But it's getting blocked and it's now blowing back down. So it feels like it's blowing down. Um, but there's an easy way to test that if he's not absolutely sure, which we tell people all the time to take a, a single sheet of toilet paper and hold it up mm-hmm. um, to the fan. If it sucks it up, then you know it's drawing air up. If it's blowing it down, then you got to turn your house upside down. I'm not sure what you need to do. But you have to remove that fan. It shouldn't be blowing down. That we can tell you. Right. And, and uh, um, you know, um, accessing the attic and looking um, at it when it's turned on might also show that either insulation is blocking it. Uh, There's something that should be pretty obvious there because it definitely should not be blowing out. I was able to catch up with Chelsea, host of Checking In With Chelsea and co-host of Today's Homeowner Television, earlier this week, and I asked her what was her favorite Christmas song, and boy, did she give us an answer. My favorite Christmas song is Little Drummer Boy. I love the beat, but I also love the message behind it that everyone has a purpose, and this little guy's purpose was to play the drum for Jesus's birth. Come, they told me, pa-dum pum pum pum, me and my drum. Also caught up with Stephanie Greenwood, our VP and general manager of today's homeowner, and asked her, "What is your favorite Christmas memory?" 
One of my favorite Christmas traditions is really centered around ornaments and decorating a tree. Um, ever since my children were born, each year I've purchased for each of them a brand new Christmas ornament. And we label it with their initials and the year. Um, and I keep a list and a grid of what ornament they received each year. So when they're adults, I will, um, and have homes of their own and trees of their own to decorate, um, my plan is to box up and gift all of their ornaments to them so they will be able to decorate their own trees as adults. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Pinterest at Today's Homeowner and send us all of your questions. We'll do our best to try to answer every one of them. And who knows, your question might be featured on the radio show. Thanks for listening to the best of Today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, where it's time for our best new product segment brought to you by the Home Depot, how doers get more done. If holiday baking and cooking has you frustrated with your current stove, LG may have the answer with their new smart slide-in gas range with ProBake Convection. It combines all the advantages of a gas cooktop with a convection oven for the cooking enthusiast who wants the best of everything. The spacious 6.3 cubic foot oven can hold whatever you throw at it, from a 20-pound turkey to dozens of holiday cookies. Or you can quickly air fry enough wings to feed a crowd. And the LG Instant View window lets you check on the food at an instant with two quick knobs. Cleanup is easy as well. Just spray the interior with water, press the easy clean button, and let the oven do the work for you without any chemicals or any high heat. And for the gas cooktop, there's a cast iron griddle and wok grate included to make every kind of cooking convenient. So for more information on this LG Smart Slide-In Gas Range with ProBake Convection, head on over to homedepot.com. Now, whether you're looking for supplemental heat or maybe adding a little ambience to your house, a roaring fire is definitely a great choice. But if you burn the wrong kind of wood, your best intentions will quickly go up in smoke and not get a that satisfying atmosphere that you want. So when you're choosing wood for a fireplace, the key word is seasoned. Now, that means that in the most basic sense that you don't want to use firewood from a tree that you just cut down because there's still too much moisture in the logs and softwood reaches good seasoning in about six to 12 months while hardwood takes a bit longer and lumber scraps are often used too but you never want to burn lumber that's been pressure treated because it can release some volatile chemicals into the room finally always make sure to open the damper before lighting <laughs> any fire to that keep... should have been mentioned way earlier <laughs> exactly but before you light any foam because you know that you want that smoke to to really run right up that chimney but so often that can happen is either it, your damper is not open all the way or it's not opened at all and i right. mean in about three seconds you've got a disaster <laughs> you'd a, be surprised that's exactly right maybe yeah. not even three seconds yeah it, so uh, that firewood's very very important that uh you know that if you buy some firewood you know buy a cord of wood you just want to make sure that you ask how long has it been drying and so forth because uh, most uh fire uh, fire firewood providers will cut a lot of wood um, during the first part of the season and then make it available the following year. At least the good reputable guys will do. So you need to make sure um, on all of that. 
Yeah, but if it's stored outside uncovered, it's going to be wet. You know? Oh, yeah, you, you got to keep it's sitting under keep a blanket it. of snow or rain or something. Right, you know? exactly. So uh-huh. They may have cut it a year ago, but it's been sitting outside. It might still be wet. But that, that that's a great segue into a tip I want to share, Danny, okay. about, you know, you want to use seasoned firewood, but how do you air it out so that it, it – gets seasoned as quick as possible. And when you stack your firewood, the way most people stack it, right? They get, they put it outside, maybe they cover it up and they just stack the logs, the split logs and, you know, all facing in the same direction. Just stack them up and it doesn't seem like, well, there's nothing wrong with that. And no, there's not really anything wrong with it except the wood so packed so tightly together, there's not good air circulation and it's the air circulation that's going to dry out that wood so it's really perfect for burning. So all you need to do is alternate the, the rows of firewood. So let's say the first row is going north and south. Then you, when you set the next row, you go east and west. So you're just alternating at 90 degrees. And what that does is it creates a lot of airspace. And this way, as the air blows through there, the wood dries out a lot faster. So try that next time you start stacking up your firewood. And make sure you don't stack it against your house. Even Never. if you have or a on brick a front house porch. or stucco or anything like that, you don't, even, you, know, you don't want it to touch. It needs air to flow between your home or your maybe it's your shed out back or whatever because boy that that'll that'll get wet stay wet and cause you some real uh, problems on that again even if it's stucco or brick it just creates this wet environment there mold mildew all kinds of problems so uh, and plus you know, a, you know a stack of firewood um, attracts critters of all sorts and if you don't want it like here in new england we often see it pile up on someone's front porch which it's, it's covered it's accessible to the front door it looks kind of cool but, you know, you're attracting all these things right to your front door, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah. So and better and, off not doing that. And termites, you know, the termites will just tear it up when you right. when you have that kind of thing. So uh, using some of these tips will, you know, allow you to avoid that type of uh, possible uh, bad situation there. Let's grab, grab an email here, uh, Joe. Uh, this all one right. came from uh, Leo in Pennsylvania. It says, I bought a house that stinks of cigarette smoke. Ah, mm. We painted and installed new floors throughout, but we still smell the cigarette odors. Is there an aerosol out there we can use to eliminate the smell of smoke, or do you have any other suggestions? Thank you in advance. You know, that's a, boy, that's a tough one there because, boy, that can get into every little... Um, Especially you know, fabrics. Yeah, yes, every little area. You know, the um, they have charcoal-infused air filters now that are really designed to attack cigarette smokes and more severe odor. Not saying that would uh, solve it 100%, but that certainly can help. And uh, the more airing that you can do, boy, my kids always kid me about when it, when there's a really nice day and the humidity's low, I open everything. Garage door, closets, right. I mean, it just... Yep. it. It, it definitely seems to help, at least psychologically for me. And, uh, and and that's one of the things, as much ventilation as you can possibly get out of that. But uh, to really attack it, you've got to, you've, you're going to have to clean and encapsulate, I think. Yeah. Um, Leo asked if there's an aerosol. And I'm sure there's an aerosol you can spray in the air, but what, you know, that just gets the smoke f- smell maybe out of the air. What you have to do is, is wash down any hard surface. And I found a recipe online one time, and I and I wrote it down, and here it is, a cleaning recipe. Okay, good. You mix, uh, you get, a, ha- you get a, a, a gallon, a full gallon of hot water, and you put in one half cup of ammonia, mm-hmm. one quarter cup of white vinegar, and a half a cup of baking soda. Mm-hmm. And then you use that to, to clean any hard surface, walls, ceilings, you know, um, 
painted surfaces, tables, anything that's a hard surface, ceiling fan blades, anything where smoke can stick to them. Believe me, it can. In fact, if you've rented a hotel room recently and you ask for a no smoking room, there's usually a little sign in there. Yeah. It says, if you smoke in this room, we're charging a $250 that's fee. Right. That's right. Yeah. So they're, they're serious about it. And, and if they could clean it easily, it wouldn't, probably wouldn't be 250 So in any case, so that's what you want to do. You want to wash down everything with this solution, then dry it well. And for any softer surfaces, meaning upholstered furniture, that kind of thing, drapery, you know, anything, drapery you could probably remove and bring to a dry cleaner, but anything you can't easily remove, try um, sprinkling with baking soda, and that will absorb any, any of the odors. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Today's Homeowner Radio. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Merry Christmas from all of us here at Today's Homeowner. You know, winter went the first day of winter was just a few days ago, so we want to share with you our Today's Homeowner Four Seasons of Home Ownership, the Winter checklist. If you recall in in past seasons, this is a list of items that are very easy to do, very inexpensive to do, but this is a great time of the year to handle some of these. Now, we put together a big list, over 40 items, but we broke it down into bite-size list of 10, and here we go with the winter checklist. Of course, checking, uh, changing all of your uh, heating system filters. You're going to be inside a lot more during the cold weather, so it's very important for the um, maintenance on your heating and cooling system so that it works properly, works safely, works efficiently. Make sure you change those while you're at it. Make sure that you check your um, kitchen range hood filter. Yes, there is a filter in there and it's very easy to remove and clean. Often you can just soak it in a little bit of dishwashing liquid and baking soda and then you can always throw it in the dishwasher as well. And speaking of filters, don't forget that the water and ice maker on your refrigerator has a filter. Most people might not even be aware of that. You have to pull the refrigerator out in most cases, but it has a small filter, so you want to replace that. And also the heating season's here, so you want to clean all baseboard heaters. Baseboard baseboard heaters typically work through convection, meaning cold air goes in the bottom and warm air flows up through the top. And if it's clogged up with dirt and dust and debris, you're going to obstruct that flow of heat and the rooms will be cooler as opposed to warmer. So be sure to change those as well. And if you hadn't gotten that big snowfall yet, well, if you're in the area of the northern part of the country, it's right around the corner, and you need to make sure that snowblower is ready to do its job. So you want to make sure that you clean, oil, and prepare that snowblower so it's ready when you need it. Also, you want to gather any of those tools and supplies for removing ice from your walkways and driveways and maybe stock up on any of that de-icer, things like that, that will sell out at the store when that blizzard is headed your way. So you may as well have it all ready to go. And inspect the washing machine hoses, the hot and cold water on your washing machine. Um, make sure they're not leaking or damaged or brittle. If they are 
rubber, then replace them with stainless steel. We often recommend replacing them with the stainless steel ones, which are which are much stronger and last a lot longer. And another tip, Danny, I don't know if we've shared this for a while, but this is a good time of year to mention. If you're leaving the house for a while, for let's say more than two or three days, four days, turn that water off. Because if that ever bursts, no matter what the hoses are made out of, and you'll come back five days, guess what? You know, it's going to have quite a mess. So whenever you're leaving the house for an extended period of time, shut off that the, the water to the washing machine. And you also want to insulate any exposed water lines and hose bibs. This is the time of year to do that. If you have a crawl space or a basement, it's pretty easy to do. You can buy rubber insulation, pipe insulation, just slip it on, and that'll keep the pipes warm and, and in most cases prevent them from freezing. And here's another thing that won't take any time at all and is completely free. Check out all of your ceiling fans, and the vast majority of them have a little small switch right above the blades that will reverse the spin and the rotation of the blades. What you want when you're looking up at the, um, at the uh, ceiling fan, uh, you want it to be turning clockwise. Now, the reason for that, that will push the air up to the ceiling. So you got all of that hot air hovering up there that you've paid for, and this will push it against the ceiling and allow it to return back down the walls where you can be a little more comfort comfortable. You want to use that ceiling fan on the lowest speed possible, and you'll be surprised how much you can regain, kind of recycling a little bit of that hot air that has risen to the top of your ceiling. Another thing is some of those winter storms can be pretty vicious, so you want to make sure if you need to rely on your portable or standby generator that is ready to go if the power gets knocked off at your house. With the aging infrastructure that we have in the country, uh, it happens more and more. So you'll want to be ready if you have that unit. Go ahead and while you're tuning up your um, snowblower that I mentioned earlier, go ahead and take care of changing that oil, changing that spark plug, cranking everything up and make sure it's ready to go if you need it. You don't want to be there with the power out and having to do that. You know, the good thing about this list, and we just shared with you 10 items that we feel that are the top 10 list for this type of time of the year. So I'm only going to take you uh, about seven hours to do every single thing we just mentioned, and it'll cost less than $110. So no excuse not to get this done. Be proactive in your home ownership, and you'll be glad you did and make it through the winter nice and effortless uh, all the way through. So always good to, to check the list, check the box, Joe, and feel a right. lot better about everything that you've done. And although it might take seven hours, we're not saying you should do this all in one day. You don't have to take an entire day to do this. I mean, you take a week and do one, you know, one hour a day, you'll get them all finished. And the great thing is, and we often say, if you don't do these little chores, what happens is you may end up with a big expense, but you're either replacing or having calling a professional repair something. So, you know, this costs almost nothing to do now. So stay on top of it because maintenance ignored can cost you a fortune somewhere down the road. Yeah, it certainly can. And this list, our four seasons of home ownership, brought to you by our friends at Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome back to today's homeowner radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Welcome back to this best of today's homeowner radio. I'm Corey Wilson, engineer and producer for today's homeowner radio. And I know if you're anything like me, your favorite segment is the simple solution segment. So Joe, take it away. And our friend Joe Truini is going to share with us another simple solution. All right, Danny, tis the season to decorate your home. So here's how to make a decorative Christmas tree 
from an old wooden pallet. I mean, everyone's got wooden pallets. If you don't, you can find them for free pretty much on any street corner, it seems, these days. Um, and, and there's a video online at todayshomeowner.com slash simple solutions. You can go and view it right now showing how I made this. And basically, you just stand the wooden pallet up and you start by making two diagonal lines from the top center of the pallet down to the second to the last slat. Not the last slat, but the second to the last slat. Then you use a circular saw to cut along the lines, pry the slats off the back of the pallet because you won't need those. Then make a simple base so this thing stands up, right? I just use a couple, four pieces of uh, pressure-treated decking about eight or 10 inches long. You just attach them to the to the, the spine of this of this wooden pallet, which is the thick part that the the um, slats are nailed to, then you just paint it green, and you can hang ornaments on it or or paint ornaments on it, and you know just be a nice little decoration to put out on your porch or patio or even in the house if you want. It's small, you know, it's only about three or four feet tall, and it costs almost nothing, and it's just another way to to ring in the holidays. Boy, that's a pretty inexpensive way to get some decorations in there. And, and of course, there's so many ways that you can convert pallets to usable right. things around your house. So that's another great one. I always remind you, go by todayshomeowner.com slash simple solutions to see over 500 awesome simple solutions that you might be able to use around your home. That pretty much uh, wraps up this first hour. It's been fun talking about uh, Christmas and, it is, yes. and um, just thinking about everybody in their homes right now. Hopefully everybody's safe and enjoying the kind of Christmas that they had planned on having. It's a great time of the year. It is. And the only advice I'd give anyone is don't rush through the holidays. It seems like we're all rushing to get the Christmas and then you blink and it's over. And you hardly had a chance to enjoy it. So relax with family and friends and enjoy the holidays and, and have a nice, safe holiday season. Boy, you are in for a treat, because guess what? We have a bonus simple solution by our buddy, Joe Truini. Right now, we're going to switch gears and let Joe share with us a simple solution. All right, Danny, this time of year, a lot of people are using their ovens, and maybe they're getting a little dirtier than they ordinarily do. So here's a recipe for making an effective, non-toxic oven cleaner that produces no noxious fumes. Because if you've ever used the commercial stuff that comes in the spray cans, whoa, you know, okay. that, that stuff's pretty, but be sure to read the directions. But anyway, so what you want to do is take the peels of two oranges, take two oranges and just remove the peel and put them into a jar, then fill the jar with white vinegar. Seal it tightly and let the jar sit on the countertop for about a week, week to 10 days, something like that. Then use a funnel to pour the vinegar into a plant mister. All right, so now you've got the solution. It's got the citrus from the orange and it has the vinegar. And open up your oven, sprinkle baking soda on the floor of the oven and on the glass door, the interior of the glass door, and then spray on the vinegar right over the baking soda. Wait maybe 20 or 30 minutes, then wipe the surfaces clean using a scouring sponge. And you'd be surprised, just doing that once will get almost everything off wow. because it just give it 20 minutes to work. Um, and then if necessary, you can you can repeat it. But that alone usually cleans off almost any baked on stuff that is spilled out of your, out of your cooking and onto the oven. Boy, that is great. And, and how timely. That, that is perfect for everybody that's, yeah. you know, utilizing those ovens right now. And, and I'm telling you, those those cleaning cycles where you turn that cleaning thing on, 
Right. That is scary. I don't know. I wonder. The oven gets to like six or 700 degrees I, or something. I know, but it, it's supposed to just, it just bake it I mean, off. It, heat, it heats up it. the kitchen. Yeah. It just, you know, your, your meter is spinning so fast on the outside of that's your, right. your power meter. It's about to take off. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good one there. And you can find out a lot more about the Simple Solutions by going to todayshomeowner.com slash simple solution. That's going to do it for this hour of Today's Homeowner Radio. Thank you so much for listening. If you get our second hour, we'll be right back. Everybody else, thank you so much. Have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next week.